This week on the My Love of Golf podcast, we talked to former AFL Carlton Football Club player Dennis Armfield about his love of golf. We find out a little bit more about Dennis and what he's up to now in the life post-football, what drives him, what some of his passions are, and more importantly, about his golf. So listen in, sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is, uh, you know, early doors for me in this podcast world, and um, you're one of the first. Okay, let's be honest, you are the first. You are the first guest. <laughs> Bad choice of first, I think, mate, but anyway, thank you. So the experienced one of uh, the two of us talking into a microphone is you, so you're in charge, all right? I'll try to be. I'll try to help out where I can. <laughs> so, um, mate, here we are in uh, downtown suburban Melbourne, in the place of uh, your, your work, and... Um, what, you've been here for a year or so now? Yeah, 11 months, 11 months. Where are we? Where are we? Tell us where we are. Uh, yeah, we're at, uh, in the, uh, right next to the Ngunnawadding training, train station at the offices of Elephant & Co, mate. Um, yeah, doing, uh, doing our thing, doing the podcast and, and enjoying it. So, mate, you know, for those of you that know Dennis Armfield, they will know you as the Carlton fan favourite cult figure and that's... You know what's in the internet, mate. So that's, I, wi- that's, I, probably, I, that's probably Wikipedia, mate. Probably edited by my wife, I think. So <laughs> I I agree. No, I agree. But so you've you've moved into this professional uh, world now. What, what is it you're doing now with your with your time? You know, at Elephant and Co, which is where we're at. Sitting. Yep. Um, what are you doing? Yeah. Look, I obviously uh, transitioned, uh, like we said, eleven months ago, um, and got a really good job at Elephant and Co, mate, which is uh, a small to medium business. Um, educator, um, where we go into small to medium businesses and yeah, empower business leaders through leadership, um, changing their thinking, um, helping them innovate um, with, in a world today, and and ultimately helping their businesses grow. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been doing that and and been fortunate enough along my my journey and my path to. Uh, be able to set up a, a business fight club, which is helping um, yeah businessmen um, fight for what matters most, and that's their life. I think uh, the suicide rates of men is uh, skyrocketing, especially the uh, over thirties, mate. And it's it's kind of sad to see because that's that's me. Um, and then also looking to set up a, an athlete school, mate, which can um, yeah help athletes during and post their sport. I think. Uh, yeah, we can get thrown to the wolves after we retire, and it's just important to, uh, I think, to to make their transition a little bit more, you know, simpler and and set them up for that transition. Um, you know, and, and clubs and and sports are doing that now, but I think there's always room to grow, and the more help, the better, mate. It's a two interesting topics, and and ones that are close to me as well. You know, in this business fight club, you know, being a a business owner, and you know, we've spoken. You know, outside of this environment, a number of times around yep. you know work, work-life balance, working hours, and and just what 
impact that has on you, especially when you're the at the top end of the, you know, the not the top end of the tree, but you know, yeah, you're the business, you're the business you. owner and you've got to pay the bills. It's um, such a, an undervalued um, area that people like me don't pay any attention to until it's it's too late sometimes. And yeah, and I th- I think mate, men can be a little bit stubborn as well and sort of think I'm just going to do it myself and I'll find a way out. It's okay, and yep. um, you know you you might you know think you can do it and, and you know to credit many people can but there's some people made and like i said we're not a service that if you're at the rock bottom and you need you know yeah. your medical help and all that we're more of a service that where you know you might be a man in business that's sort of just sitting there going something's not quite right um i'm either not quite happy at work i'm not quite happy at home my relationship with my kids or my wife or my partner or my friends is sort of falling away a little bit um it's just about being able to just get that balance, you know, back in life. Um, you know, balance is probably not the right word. We like to talk about work-life control and yep. just understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, you're in control and, and what means most to you. Um, you. You know, you can go through life lonely or you can go through life with people and we just want to be another support network for, for men. It sounds like you've got a good group of, uh, you know, very talented people around you here, but they obviously... You know, sort you out for your talents as well. When the time came that you, you know, finished your footy uh, professional playing career, yep. You know, how do you, how have you found coming into that professional environment uh, <laughs> in a working sense and outside of the the you know the team and club environment? Yeah, look, mate. Like you said previously, we've had some conversations, you know, out of off the microphone, I guess, and I've been pretty open and honest with you that you know I have found it tough. It has been a pretty difficult in, uh, transition for me. I'm a, I'm a I'm a bit of a lad. I, I like to have a bit of banter and I've really enjoyed the team environment. You know, having 10 years in the AFL system was probably one of the greatest jobs and opportunities that I got to do. Um, you know, I had 45 blokes that I could, you know, talk about anything and anything with and, uh, you know, you knew every day it was like, you know, you're back at school, you're going back and seeing your friends every day at work. Um, transitioning has been has been tough but it's been actually a pretty successful one um, I've got a great crew around me um, you know obviously the tools that we put in place for for business leaders through elephant and co and the tools that we have through the the men's health the business fight club and also the athlete school tools I've been pretty lucky that it's ticked all three of my boxes um, I'm learning the professional sector and the the business world and I'm really enjoying it and through research and development grants and that through Elephant & Co we've been able to help a lot of small to medium businesses um, survive and also you know take a bit of pressure off these business leaders um, and then through Business Fight Club we've been able to make a difference through individuals and organisations um, and yeah, look, we're just uh, and now slowly but surely starting to make a name in this this athlete school. Um, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can can do there to help athletes both in their sport, transitioning out of their sport, and everyone around and everyone partnered with that athlete. The transition part is uh, really 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 valuable. And you wrote an ebook on. Uh, transitions. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought I'd write a book? And that was one of your, uh, as far as I can remember, one of your early projects here at Elephant Co. Yep. What was that like? You know, like I, I read it and uh, and I thought it was fantastic. And I tried to put myself in your shoes and think, could you do that? Could you write an ebook? And I thought, absolutely no way. And I, I just thought it was fantastic. How, how did that process work for you? Yeah, look, it was an interesting one, mate. I uh, when I got here, they thought. The, the crew here thought, you know, it'd be good to hear my story. And I was like, well, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to 
act. I don't know how to do any of these things. So how the hell, how the hell do I do it? And yeah, I was fortunate enough that we just started writing and they just said, look, just write. And then we'll tidy it up, write, tidy it up, write, tidy it up. And I was like, well, look, if I tell the truth and I tell my honesty, like I can't really stuff it up. I'm not, I'm not creating new words. I'm not making things up. It's just how I felt and how I've experienced life. And, um, you know, for me, it's just the ability for, for me to share my story just to let people know that, you know, there's many athletes out there transitioning. I'm not the only one. I'm, yeah. I'm realistic of that. And I just wanted to share my experience and, you know, A, people might read it and get something out of it that have transitioned and thought, yeah, I'm not the only one doing it tough or, you know, I'm actually ahead of schedule. I'm going really well or I'm behind schedule. It doesn't really matter. There yeah. is no timeline. Um, sure. But then not only that, just, you know, up and coming transitioning athletes that you know it might be coming to an end for some you know the AFL drafts on now uh, trades on now and all that and the people are getting delisted and getting shopped around you know I thought well if they can just read a short book it's only 50 pages of ebook so you know I couldn't read any more of that if I tried anyway <laughs> so that's why I kept it short um, they might be able to just experience things and, and, and help their transition you know pick up a few skills that they might need to know or might need to pick up on or, or what it's like to to be out in the, I guess, what we get told, the real world. Do you think, um, you know, there's scope for that type of concept outside of AFL and outside of football? You know, there are other sports. I I certainly see a a correlation to, you know, let's talk about golf, you know, golf for a second. Yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, there are so many young guys and girls that come into, you know, the world of professional golf with, you know, the stars in their eyes. You know, they do a traineeship for three years or they, you know, get a tour card or they try and play their way through the amateurs, amateur ranks and, you know, get some status and play some events. But the top of that tree is, is really small. And, you know, I know a lot of young guys that have become, spent all that time becoming professional golfers and have done a great job at it to end up, you know, selling real estate and, and doing other things. And they're happy, but, you know, I've seen them have a fair bit of limbo and not sure and uncertainty and do you think that the scope for transition and, and the work you're doing through the athlete school <coughs> oh, outside my, of footy? By all means. Um, my athlete school is aimed at every athlete. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to help everyone. Um, you know, I'm helping a lawn bowler. I'm, I'm helping a footballer. I'm helping a boxer. I'd love to help golfers. I'd love to help anyone. You yeah. know, whatever sport, it doesn't bother me because at the end of the day, mate, we're all like-minded people. We yeah. all, you know, and, and I'm not just saying athletes. It's probably a bit prejudiced, but, you know, we all strive to be the best we can. We want to give our sport everything we can. You know, I look at Olympians. They're swimming at 4 a.m. and then swimming again at 5 p.m. And, you know, you, you think they're running at this, they're doing this, and mm. all for one one shot at the Olympics yep. and it can make you or break you you know if, you, if you're not on your day you don't have a next week which a lot of footballers do um, so I look at it and think mate by all means I'll, I want to aim to help as many athletes in any sort of range of sport um, I, I do look at golf and I think far as a highly competitive you can be elite at golf and still not make it um, yep. you know it's probably from my experience and what I've seen as an experience it's a, a pretty expensive sport to get into you know especially to start with um, you know and how do you how do you support these athletes these young up and comers that are trying to make it um, how do you make a name for them in the real world in the outside world while they're trying to make it and then how do you support them during their journey and then how do you support them 
if they don't get to their journey or if they do get there, support them after it finishes. Um, you know, golf, we're pretty we're pretty lucky that you can play to all ages, you know. Um, um, so, you know, that journey might take a little bit longer. But, yeah, look, mate, I, I just want to help athletes. You know, I, I look at it and think, look, at the end of the day, your sporting career is going to come to an end. You know, mm. it's realistically to say sporting career is probably not true. It's probably a sporting job. And it's like, well, how do we prepare these people for their career post? How do we help them while they're in their job for their life after? And how do we help them while they're in it? Because, you know, I've been there. And when you're in the middle of it, mate, all you care about is what's happening right then and then. And and that's all you can really care about. But it's about, you know, educating, empowering and and growing these individuals to, to take control of their own life. Because at the end of the day, it's their life. So... You know, don't let others control it. You you take control of it. So let's go right back to the beginning yep. for Dennis and you know his journey as an athlete into the world of professional sport. Yep. Canberra. Born. Yep. Played rugby in Canberra. I played rugby in well, Perth. Yeah, yeah. I, I was six when I left Canberra. Six when I left Canberra to Perth. To Perth. Yep. And then in a footy dominated state ended up playing rugby union yeah thanks to my father yeah he's a rugby obviously Canberra boy growing yep. up so he was rugby so okay. he, he pushed me down that path yeah which I, I loved and very very grateful for that path yeah what, what position do you play were you half or scrum half or scrum half fly scrum half, half, fly yeah. half yeah yeah yep. zip zip man yeah oh, look I just you know didn't want to get tackled so I just <laughs> flick it off to the others but no nah, look I, it was it was a great experience I'll uh, uh, I probably still to this day like rugby more than I like footy. So that's okay. a weird thing for me to say, um, especially on, on microphone where people can replay it. But, um, yeah, look, uh, my rugby days were brilliant. I, I, I had a lot of great friends, a lot, a lot of different cultures in the rugby as well, which there are now in footy, which is great to see. Um, but I was fortunate enough to play with some great people. I, I love the bash and crash. Yeah. I love the, the 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 tactical side of rugby, um, and yeah, I was fortunate enough to be part of it. My dad was my coach for most of my junior career, so that was really exciting. Um, looking back on it, early days I hated it, but now I look back and think that he instilled some really great great life skills to me. Um, you know, he made me work harder, probably because I was his son. But um, yeah, and we we're fortunate enough to taste a lot of success during our junior days, and we just had a great bunch of boys that. Yeah, just loved loved the game, loved mm. playing it. Um, always wanted to be a wallaby, and that soon changed. Okay, um, Perth transitioned into AFL seventeen, so that's quite mature for you know someone to start their AFL career. Yep. And then picked up in the draft. Yeah, two, tw- twenty two thousand seven. Tw- twenty. Yep. So once again, fairly mature age for draft. Yeah. Yeah, pretty raw pretty rare I mean at that stage um, they weren't mature age weren't that you know weren't the flavour of the month back then it was yep. sort of like if you didn't make it by 18, 19 you sort of probably weren't going to make it unless you were an absolute freak yeah. Um, but yeah I was fortunate enough mate that <clears throat> I uh, was playing at Swan Districts I was just enjoying my footy I sort of gave up because I missed out twice on the draft and I was like oh, I'm just going to play now for some fun and you know just enjoy my time I think that's the that's a lot of people lose that vision, just enjoying it, you know, yeah. and that's why we do it. And, you know, like golf, why do we do it? Because we enjoy it. It's it's good fun. Otherwise, why would you play golf? It's one of the hardest. You know, the littlest ball, littlest, uh, more margin for error. Like, if you didn't enjoy it, you wouldn't do it. And I think that's what 
really drove me to having a really good successful year I just was playing with no pressure just enjoying my time enjoying my mates enjoying the you know pushing myself you know I definitely love to push my, myself to the to as far as I can go I always like to see what what this body can do um, sometimes I've pushed it too far and sometimes not far enough but you know um, yeah and I was fortunate enough that yeah 2007 draft pick number 46 um Shane Rogers, the recruiting guy at Carlton, just uh, yeah said my name at, on draft day. I mean, did you come across with Juddy? Was that? Yeah, I was involved in the Juddy trade. I, yeah. th- I you know, he was the state knives mate, but that's okay. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, it was uh, yeah, I was part of that trade, and you know, um, it'll always be spoken about, and it's good to see Kennedy and that do their thing on the grand final day and have a good win. So, um, move into your footy career, start playing at the Blues. And you know what? Ten, nine years. Ten years at the ten Blues. Years, yeah. Ten years at the Blues. One hundred and forty-five yeah. games. Good research. Yep. And you know, so we we've known each other what for four years now. And you yep. know, I certainly was a fan of yours before I got to know you, and it was a real pleasure and privilege when I did get to know you. I still remember the first day when um, I was driving my son to the airport, and he was had my phone and a text came through and the text sort of read something to the words to the effect of hey Ross it's Dennis have you got any new hybrids down there I'd like to come down and uh, try some out and <laughs> one of the worst clubs ever but yep <laughs> and my son you know, I was driving so my son picked the phone up I said can you just read that text mate it might be something to do with work and he said yeah it's this bloke called Dennis buddy texting you about wanting to try some hybrids he said who's that I said oh I think that's Dennis Armfield. And um, he said, no, it's not Dennis Armfield, Dad. You don't know Dennis Armfield. <laughs> okay, well, maybe it's not Dennis Armfield, but, you know, let's get back to him and tell him that the new Titleist 816s are out. He can come down and try them. And, you know, that was my, um, you know, that was the time. Then you ended up sucking me into buying a whole set, I think, mate. <laughs> so if I remember correctly, that so was a, good salesman. That was the time that we got to know each other and it's been an absolute, you know, pleasure since. And, you know, I now get the privilege of calling you a friend. Yeah. Um, those years that I have known you and you at the Blues, there were a couple of tough years for you on a number of fronts. And, um, you know, I, rem- I remember that game against Richmond because, you know, I only went to a few games every year, but I was at the game against Richmond when you can tell us what happened. Yeah, I think I know which way you're going, the broken arm one. Yep. Yeah, look, it was... Uh, yeah, I was, I was finally starting to... Uh, oh, look, I was always probably a, a fringe player. I cemented myself probably for... A, two or three years there and then um, a few coaches changed and became a fringe player again and I was fortunate enough yeah it was uh, starting to make a name for myself and starting to play some really good footy um, the footy that I knew I was really capable of I had a lot of belief from the coaches a lot of belief from my teammates and uh, yeah, I was really enjoying myself and yeah it was uh, stupid enough to try to retaliate to a bloke that was pestering me all day and um, yeah tried to find a way to yeah, get back at him a little bit and it all backfired mate and I, I snapped my forearm um, and because I was so conscious of my form I was like let's rush to get back so you know I wanted to get a I got a plate put back in to try to get back ASAP and was unfortunate enough again to uh, to get infection and then so that led to plate coming back out waiting for it to heal plate back in and yeah sort of put a little bit of a yeah, sour note to a to a great bit of form. 
Yeah, so I was around you at that time and I remember seeing that that injury and the infection and, you know, if you if you saw it, you know, you, you would think, you know, I don't know what you would think, but, you know, <laughs> my, my point is that, you know, the way that you came back after that was, for me, so inspirational because, you know, you, it looked awful, it was awful, but you never ever showed me that, you know, you were struggling with that on the outside, you know, and it was just a testament to your, you know, strength and your, your ability to overcome adversity, which, you know, I think, you know, has been with you obviously your whole life. It's just, it's a life skill and, um, you know, probably what will make you very successful in doing what you're doing now. But, you know, just the way that you bounced back after that and, and got back on the field and, you know, the next year, what year was that, 2016? Yeah, that going came into the 16 season, yeah. Yeah, and that was... Yeah, it was, was okay. A, it was a reasonable season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, mate, I think we've got to put it in more perspective. Like, yeah, it was a rank injury. You know, it's a broken arm at the end of the day, but infection, you know, it can get you. And I remember pushing on my shoulder and gunk squirting out of my forearm and yeah. wrist, and it yeah. wasn't the greatest. Um, my whole arm was pretty gross. But I think, mate, putting it in all perspective, you know, and obviously, as you know, and people might not know, but I do a lot of community work and yep. being involved in the community at Odyssey House, you know, Royal Children's Hospital and Headspace and these organisations. Um, it puts life in perspective, mate. And at the end of the day, mate, I was alive, I was breathing. I, I had great people around me. I had, you know, the ability to live a life and, and have some fun. And, you know, you see kids at the age of two fighting for life. You see parents in and out of hospital their whole lives yep. to keep kids alive. You know, you see people who have gone through addiction that are at the other end now and it, it, nothing gives me a bigger smile. You know, you see people that are struggling with addiction and how can you help and, um, you know, you've got to got to remember that they're just people mate and um i want to help everyone where i can and i think you know that that made my journey a little bit through my adversity and through my tough times it made me a little bit more like well it ain't all that bad you know what i mean if worse comes yeah. to worse mate i lose an arm you know that would be the worst case of worse and yeah. at the end of the day mate like it, it sounds stupid to say that but you know at the end of the day i've still got my life i've still got my wife i've still got my family i've still got my friends i've still got people around me that could support me so yeah look it was it was tough mate but at the end of the day it's not the end of the world i think you know after that that year you know you were acknowledged in the in the afl fraternity for you know exactly that mindset and that approach and that you know your work around the community and the work with odyssey house which was nothing i thought nothing sort of fantastic and you know the afl community um recognized you for that with the jim steins award yeah. yep um must have been a, a, a great feeling oh mate it was uh it was yeah we went to the the brownlow medal night and i was saying to abby my wife like nah there's no chance like no chance i'm gonna win it and uh and not that you do it for awards. Uh, I by no means do I do it for awards. It's just uh, it's it's great recognition that the AFL put on for people that do great work, and there's there's plenty of them out there, mate. And to be able just to be nominated for the award was a great honour in itself because there's so many great people doing great things within the community. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to to get called out on the day, and I was actually walking up, and I was about to burst out into tears, to be honest with you, until uh, Eddie Betts kicked reached out his fist and goes good on you brother and uh <laughs> that fist pump saved me it just sort of regrouped me and i was like yeah like cool like i'm away here and um yeah it was just look for me mate the thing that made me more teary and more emotional about it was probably the fact that it just got odyssey's brand out there a bit more yep. you know and a bit more awareness for odyssey house and a bit more awareness for an organization that probably isn't able to 
capture the the public eyes as well as others and and that was what was more meaningful to me absolutely so you know for those that don't know odyssey house you know what what does odyssey house do what do they stand for and yeah, who, who, who do they help it's just drug and alcohol rehabilitation yeah. um they help you know people in need you know people that have struggling with addiction people that need support um they put pillars in place lifestyle changes in place you go out to a house and you pretty much live and go through a house and go through a a, a program and um you know i've seen some people i was at headspace the other day at a football match and a guy comes up to me and goes dennis like i've gone through the program and thanks for everything you've done and you know and without being rude I, I you know I, I meet 100 people when i go out there but just for him to come up and remember my name after all these years and, and to sort of see him turn a corner and now he's out there playing a community game of football at a headspace event sort of makes you just sort of think far out like i've influenced this bloke in some shape or form and by me just going out there and having a, a, a five-minute conversation or a shake hands and just showing that i care um can influence someone's life and that's pretty touching it's 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 massive uh, for to have that happen, and you know it must be so. Um, you know, I know you don't look for anything out of that, but no. you know, it, you know, from me looking on the outside, it's just you know a great great bit of work that you've done. You know, probably one of the reasons why you know you were so selfless and giving yourself to so many areas. You know, why you became a, a fan favorite, and you know, as Wikipedia says, <laughs> a cult figure. Um, I think uh, it even says it recently in your recent post of in your co- new coaching role. Yeah, it says Carl, it says Carl and Carl Figure. So yeah, it's uh, it, look, it's a great title to have. Yeah. Um, it's great to be known as, as as you know someone that gave back and a, a fan favorite because at the end of the day, mate, without fans, we probably don't exist anyway. So it's uh, it's pretty it's cool. Good show, aren't we? Yeah? yeah, exactly right. We're all actors, you know, and uh, we're just lucky to kick a footy around. And yeah, to be to be given that title, mate, it's a massive thing. And you know, like I said, off my football career, mate, was just about go give it all you got. And sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it doesn't. And people know that and people expected that of me. But, you know, as soon as that first bounce went to the final siren, I was busting, busting everything I could to, yeah. to do whatever I could for the team, whether we were up by 100 or down by 100, nothing really changed with me. And I think that's what became respected from the crowd. Um, and yeah, it gave me. It led to great opportunities, mate. I met some great people, yourself included, that have. Thank you very much. That have become, you know, mentors part of my network people I can bounce ideas off people I can get help from and at the end of the day mate I've just got a bigger support network now that can help educate and grow me and I'm forever grateful for that and yeah on to the next on to the next journey but if only you could help my golf game that would have been good <laughs> I'm trying mate I'm trying know, we're trying, we're trying. Um, yeah if, if you're in another part of the world or another state and, and you know you, you're not from that AFL environment do you mind if I uh, include in the podcast in the in the um, audio the Triple M uh, Dennis fan favourites reel? Dennis turned around to confront Williams and the ball had gone over his head. Oh, now Williams, look out, look out Dennis! Dennis! Oh. Dennis! <laughs> That's what he's out there for, Gary. Good tackling machine. That's style of business. The bell, bell to Dennis. Dennis, Dennis runs in. Dennis <laughs> sticks it through the gun, one right in. Now we've got some work to do. Bunting on the very quick.
James it's Brayshaw have like a you know like a little poster of you in his bedroom or something oh, like that? He loved no, you. it was uh, him and Gary and that. They all <laughs> all loved me, but um, yeah, like I said, mate, I just went about my business and did what I could do. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I had a great opportunity to get drafted and I just wanted to make the most of it and my dad always said when your career finishes whether it's after one game 100 games or like it turned out to be 145 in 10 years like as long as you can when it's all finished and said and done you can sit there and go I gave that everything I got you can't ask for much more and I think that's the advice that I'd give to a lot of people if you give it all you got whether you come first last or wherever you come it does that's irrelevant I think just being out there to have a crack play the best you can, do whatever you can, be the best teammate you can, be the best person you can. Well, at the end of the day, mate, you can hold your head up high and keep going. They're, they're lessons that, uh, you know, I wish uh, I had learned a long time ago. You know, part of the reason for doing this podcast is, is exactly that, you know, like just getting it, getting some ideas and thoughts that, you know, live inside your mind, getting them out and getting them, uh, you know, getting them, having a crack and doing something about it. Yeah. Hey, um, so let's talk about golf. Yep, this is what we're here for. Yeah, <laughs> sorry um, about the first twenty minutes. <laughs> no, it's, it's very important, mate. It's very interesting. Like, bloody hell, it's great. Ah, it's a life, mate. We've all lived them. There's yeah, so many experiences no, sure. out there, and I'm, I'm sure know, the guests will hear a lot more stories, which would be great. And people will take from from it what they want, and if it, you know, they get some inspiration from it, that's ah, great for me. Exactly right. That's great. So. What does golf mean to you? When you were a footy player, what did, what did golf mean? Yeah, look, I grew up playing golf. I remember my dad used to let me tee it up every time because I couldn't hit the ball. So I'd be in the, I'll, I'll say middle of the fairway, but that's where I dropped the ball. And uh, yeah, teeing it up. And that it was just a, a time for me and dad to get away. I, I remember those early days. It was just, you know, I was no good and neither was he really. And it was just about a bit of a bond. And yeah. I ended up turning golf into that that bonding time, you know. And that's what it meant to me. It was like, wow, we got a time for, you know, nine holes back in those days was was more enough for me. Um, but I just remember you yeah, had two hours with some friends and or family or, or people. And it soon grew to where I was like, hang on a minute, I can, I'm actually getting better. And like I said, mate, I always wanted to push myself to be the best I could be. Um, didn't always mean I was the best at it, but I just always wanted to be the best I could be. Um, you know, and I, I finally met you and all that and uh, got a handicap. And I was like, right, I'm going to challenge myself, push myself. You know, again, like my football, I just do as much as I can do. You know, come in and I remember I had the Brosnans, I think they were my first clubs. And uh, I remember coming in and getting fitted out for the uh titans titanists no i think no. i was tailor-made burners were okay. they burners yeah yeah and because they were easy hitting he said you needed a little bit more loft to uh <laughs> to get it going and i was like yeah no worries and you know i started to play some good consistent golf and got me handicap and started at like 22 or something 23 and i was like right oh well this is it push myself and i used to play yeah once a week with the boys and it was a great opportunity for me to a like i said earlier bond with people but also just get away from i guess get away from life in a, in a little bit yeah. and all you got to do is focus on a little white ball yep. it's harder than it says it sounds but yeah, it was just a good chance for me to you know step away from the hustle and bustle and the competitive nature that football was it's such a great game for that very very thing you know just to be able to you know go and play with some mates and just play golf or go and play by yourself and find your favorite part of the course and just do some chipping and putting practice um it's a great game for that just to clear that you know yeah like i said mate like i i've gone and 
you know, you walk walk a course and just play two balls and yep. practice and that. And then I've been the other side where I've become so ultra competitive, you know, and, you know, a, a few people that you know, like, you know, your Zach Tui's, your Sam Doherty's, your Matthew Diggs, yourself, you know, all of these blokes, we ended up creating a weekly sort of game and it became pretty competitive, you know, you always wanted to win and when you had your handicap, you wanted it to come down and, you know, the good thing about golf, mate, is realistically, like, you're competing against yourself um, yep. and that's what I like about golf. It's like, well, if you cheat, you're only cheating yourself if you're trying to rot the system you're only rotting yourself so realistically if you you want to improve you've got to be true to yourself and at the end of the day that's what it's all about and you know that's where my game sort of started to get to and i i remember finally cracking the 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 single figure handicap and it was like an all-out party um it's like right i've got to look for the best, most pro golf set i can get and still had a swing that wasn't very good but uh yeah but it was just all about pushing myself to be the best i could mate and and and, in, and again i go back and say it, just enjoying it having some fun with it what, what age were you when you started playing golf i remember the first time i played golf was with my dad at hillview golf course in uh wa made where we where i grew up and uh i would have been about oh, i'd say about eight yeah right yeah eight or nine um did you ever play any junior junior golf? Like little nah, junior golf no, I was never like that. It yeah. would have been just a three rounds a year yeah. with my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, nine holes, drive around in a cart and have some fun with it. Um, but yeah, probably it probably took me till I got drafted and come over here to where I really started to go right. This is a great outlet for me, um, and I wanted to use this outlet. Is that when you decided that a pink driver would be the way for you to go? <laughs> Yeah, so I got sucked in by a guy called Ross um, <laughs> at his retail shop. And, uh, yeah, there was a nice pink driver, Bubba Watson's version. And, you know, I'm a little bit out there. I, I like to have the, the different things, you know. I'm not afraid to wear some pink. I'm not afraid to challenge the, the colour code. I'm not afraid to challenge some things and have some fun with it. And, yeah, bought a bought a pink driver. And, uh, yeah, that's an experience in itself, my first ever hit golf ball dent right on the first right on the top of it um, yeah that's an expensive driver for back in those days and and then yeah soon after that I was like hang on a minute I'm getting some views here that you know if you're gonna look the part you're gonna be able to play the part and I wasn't really <laughs> playing the part so I thought I'll go back to a stock standard blackie I could imagine some of those boys that you mentioned before and some of the others that you were playing with might, might have given you a bit of uh, a bit of stick about the pink car uh, look it's uh, look everyone's gonna find stick about something you know what I mean and uh <laughs> You know, I uh, I was happy to live with it. If I was if I was hitting it well, I don't care what colour it was. Um, but I was never hitting it well, so I don't blame the stick. I blame the user. So, still got the pink driver, mate. I, still got uh, it. Still got it. Yeah, yeah right. it's uh, it's in my collector's edition. Yeah, um, don't get rid of that. Nah, I'll keep it forever, mate. I'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get Bubba Watson to sign it. I've got to try to find a way. Yeah, hopefully Bubba's listening to this and he can come over and sign it for me. I'm sure Bubba's listening. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to left-handers as well here, so. Yeah, well, I'm a righty, but yeah. anyway. Um. Righty, but putt left-handed. Yep, that's thanks to a football injury. Yep. So I uh, got injured and squished a nerve root in my neck. And uh, whenever I do finer my chipping and my putting, I, uh, I twitch in my right shoulder. And I put up with it for ages, but I was, you know, I was missing a two-footer by two-foot. Um, sometimes with twitching and uh, was, yeah, mucking around in your putting arena. And I saw a, a little green 
uh, left-handed putter and I thought well, I'll try that with a green handle because uh, you know bright colours attract my eye and I was practicing, 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 and I was like, "Hang on a minute, left hand is not too bad. I don't have the twitch, and you know, I'm, I'm no good, but I think I can work with this." And yeah, just stuck with it, and so be it. Now I'm thinking, do I go to left-handed chipping? But we'll figure that out. Well, that'd be a more interesting concept because then you've, you know, you've got to carry left-handed wedges and right-handed irons. But uh, yeah, no, I'd I'd be, it'd only be short wedges. It'd be yeah. the, you know your 15 to 20 meter chip shots because once I start to get. To, you know, you actually have to hit the ball yep. type shots. Yeah. My twitch doesn't come. It's yep. only those fine things. So, yeah. Well, I've seen it and um, it, is, it is fearsome to watch um, the, the, the twitch, but then the left-handed putting is fearsome to watch, especially <laughs> if you're playing against Dennis because he is unbelievably deadly accurate with the putter. It's it's uh, it's uh, sensational. Like, no, that's probably, yeah, one reason why I'm, I think when I got from the 22 handicap to the 9, it was just me putting that became better. Mate, long so, long they, bombs, short bombs, it's like, <clears throat> buddy, well, nothing I've ever seen. It's probably scary, mate, that I can probably putt further than I can drive. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably an indictment of the rest of my game. So, yeah. So you've been a member of, of some golf courses and um, things like that. Yep. What do you, what do you think about golf membership and the traditional environment and you know is that is that the right way is, what, what, oh, look, does it, think, what does it mean to you i think being a golf member is a great opportunity you know it gives you that sense of belonging i think we all yep. want to belong to something you know and having that club you know having that team and having that that group of men and women that love golf is is a great opportunity to you know network meet new people play golf with different people and and see some different styles learn some different things and you know i do think that's really a, a really good tool um you know, I was a member of Peninsula, I've been a member of Medway, um, you know, of they're my two clubs. Um, but, yeah, I do think to, to you know, to it is a lot of money, golf memberships, especially the, the higher end of courses. Yeah. Um, you got you know if you're if you're out there and making the most of it it's probably money well spent but i i, I found i wasn't um I, i'm probably someone that's got a few you know we'll probably talk about it but i've got a few uh tattoos um and i, I think it's gone to the days where you have to you know a lot of these courses want you to cover them and you got you know it's 40 degrees and you've got to be fully covered and and things like this and i think it's you know society sort of changing and you know if golf doesn't change in a little while in a little way I'm not telling you to try to change drastically but you look at the Riders Cup and the, the crowd that that drew the people that it draws from television and the ability to hear people cheering in the background hear some noise and and, and have an environment I think that's where golf's got to got to get to and, mm. and realise that you know if it does change it's you know not going to be just tarnished with that same old brush you know like do we need a bridge room or do we want a childcare? You know, things like this can change the system. So I recently saw somewhere asking a poll, um, do you think that, you know, events where like the 16th hole, the waste management, you know, the party hole yep. and the big crowds cheering and um, that sort of, you know, environment in a professional golfing sense is more important to foster um, that type of environment as opposed to, putting all the efforts into the growth of the junior game you know what would what do you th- I think if you foster that you'll grow the junior game yeah right I think kids yep. these days mate are, are changing yep and um, they they want it you know social media being yep. able to tell your story being able to share your story is is important to kids these days um, 
And I, I think the ability to play on a hole, like the party hole, you know, and, and experience that, you know, you see media, you see vision of it, you see it's what people talk about. Mm. No one sits there and goes, oh, do you remember the prestigeness or whatever? It was like, how good was that? How, what about that atmosphere? Or when you put it there in the cheer? And I just I, think, yeah, we need to embrace it. I think from my perspective, you know, I am a younger generation golfer and yep. there's as many younger than me, but yep. um, yeah, I think we need to embrace it and just, you know, realize that you know we don't have to take the rules we don't have to take the regulations we don't have to change many of that we don't have to change the you know the 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 gentleman style of golf mm. um you know and i'm not sitting here saying we can get away with wearing board shorts and thongs and that but I, I think we just need to embrace the fact that yeah we can we can again we're all actors and we can put on a show and have some fun about it i think there's a need yeah, yeah there's a requirement in the space for for rule you know Rules is probably a strong word, but you know, like regulations and dress and all that sort of thing. And and I get that, but um, you know, certainly I agree that things have changed. You know, I did an interesting exercise, which you probably might remember seeing, but you know, I had some sun sleeves essentially, and I put them on at the golf club that I'm a member at, which has a no visible tattoo policy, and I put them on, and I wore them into the clubhouse, and they were essentially just sun protection sleeves, but. On them were printed that was like a, an Irish Celtic sort of motif tattoo type mm-hmm. thing and I just remember having so many death stares from yeah. you know the the older generation of members out there that were you know thought that I had visible tattoos it was it was quite confronting it was really the first time that well not the first time because you and I had spoken about it but I thought wow this is crazy oh look it's one of those things man I think the stigma around tattoos is changing you know yeah. and Look, I'm probably the first to say, like, you go back several years, you know, I'm talking a lot of years, tattoos probably associated with different types of people, mm. you know, and that's not saying that they're bad people. It just was associated with different types of people, different um, social groups and stuff like that. Yeah. And, but it's changing now, you know, and people want to express their, their views on the world or their views on art or their views on, on their own skin. They want to acknowledge family and friends and people that mean a lot to them on their own skin. And I think, you know, if... It's their skin. They want to brand it the way they want to brand it, you know, and, and that's each their own and it will forever be that way. And if you don't like tattoos, that's fine as well. You know, I'm not asking you to, but it's just about, you know, it doesn't, just because they've got a bit of, you know, ink on their skin doesn't change the person that they are. Yep. And if they're not offensive, if they don't, you know, have oh, any... Exactly. And I'm the first, mate, like you said, golf, you shouldn't be able to wear offensive shirts because there's people out there, mate, that you, you shouldn't want to offend, you know. And it's it's like, you know, if you've got tattoos that are, are saying things or are pretty aggressive or of that, well, then, yeah, probably cover them up anyway. But, you know, I think if you've got tattoos in that shape or form, you're probably not playing golf. Um, and that's where I think, you know, if we've got to be understanding, mate. We've got to respect one another uh, as a human generation, as a human person. You know, it's like, you know, I want the best for you. I want the best for the lady that's walking across the road now as we walk out this, look out this window. Like, I just want people to be happy and live their best life. And you should be able to do that whether you've got tattoos or no tattoos. So for the people that, uh, the, the, the one or two people that might listen to this, you know, um, and they go and check you out that they don't already know you and they see your tats, yep. um, what are they? What do they represent? Yeah, family and my life. Yep. Um, that's what it's all about. Um, so, yeah, one arm I've got my grandmother, yep. one arm I've got my father. Um, they're probably two people that 
raised me a lot. Um, I'm looking to add my mother to the collection. I haven't got her yet. On my leg, I've got my wife. Um, on my other leg, I've got the Club 27 music artists. 27 um, being your playing number for your career? 27 being my yep. playing number. So that's what the link is there. So, um, you know, and yeah, of course, I've got, you know, a couple of footy ones. That, but that's what's made my life. They've been massive influences. I've got a Swan Districts tattoo on my ankle, which is where I come from in waffle days before AFL. I've got a Northern Blues bull ant on my foot, which is set represents my style, you know. Um, and yeah, I've got a few sayings that on my rib cage and that, and there's more to come, you know. I've got a lot more to come, um, you know. I've got kids that hopefully will up, be coming up with Abby and I I'll have you know I want to represent the Anzacs I'm, I'm very passionate about the Anzacs so there's going to be a full back piece on that you know but everything to me mate tells a story and, and, it, and it means a lot to me you know yeah. and each their own and some people have their own stories some people just want to like the art yep. so each their own and like I said I'm, I've met people from all walks of life in my journey and I'm telling you now every one of them's meant just as much to me in, in my in, in my enjoy, in my journey so let's um you know i've taken up enough of your time and i'm conscious of that but there's a couple of little questions regarding uh golf that we'll, we'll yep. maybe wind up on your new golf gear <laughs> yeah i got sucked in again um <laughs> I, uh, that's a bit harsh i've uh yeah well, i was playing probably once or twice a week and Unfortunately, this year, due to trying to transition, trying to make a name, trying to learn new things, I haven't been fortunate enough to play enough golf. I've probably only played about a handful of rounds this year, um, and my golf game says that. But yeah, I um, because of that, I transitioned into the one length, Cobra one length, um, all black, because I had to do something different, you know me, Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought, due to the fact that I can't work on my game as much, I thought, well, if I can pick up a seven iron and hit that well technically I should be able to pick up any other iron and hit that well and yeah, it's taken me a bit of while to adjust I'm not playing enough to adjust quickly but I like the concept I like the idea and obviously Bryson's doing some great things on the on the tour as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's taken me a little while to get used to I've got a hybrid the size of my uh, seven, <laughs> seven iron so that's it looks like I've used my little nephew's driver <laughs> Um, and then to have a 60 degree that's the same length uh, as a 7 iron is pretty deceptive as well but I think the concepts there I'm really looking forward to challenging myself to grow again and get used to it and uh, yeah played around I've only played two rounds with them unfortunately not as as much as I'd want to but you know the first round I was all over the place because it took me a while but yeah second round was coming good and I was starting to you know it's probably the best I've hit my wedges so yeah, that's, right. that's and you know how bad I hit them. So uh, yeah, now it's just yeah, getting used to everything else. Well, I've um, got a, you know I've got a set too, which I you know put in the rotation of golf clubs that come in and out yep. of my golf bag. Yeah, uh, and currently my bag is uh, the one length uh, irons from Cobra. Yep. Um, not the wedges. I just I drive the wedges and the sixty degree to seven iron length uh, out of a bunker. I just I just couldn't. I couldn't do it as as well as I needed to. Yep. Um, so I've got the conventional length wedges at the moment, and just four iron utility down to pitching wedge. Yep. So, um, but I, I agree. You know, like for me, I went back to them because I got a little bit of back pain. So the the lot the shorter irons just um, you know I was bending over a little bit too far. I was compromising my swing. But yep. no, I agree. I'm I'm not you know a Bryson DeChambeau 
you know, convert where I follow all of, you know, his way about it, but yep. I just put a seven iron swing on most things. But are you yeah. a massive Bryson fan? I'm slowly coming around. I'm a fan. Don't um, worry, Bryson. Because oh, yeah. yeah, you'll well, be listening well, to with Bubba and I'm a fan. <laughs> oh, look, definitely a fan, mate. I, I, I'm a fan of most golfers there yeah. to I admire what they do and the ability to do shots. You know, I went out to Kingston Heath and I've played the course uh, with Logie Henderson and I've hit drivers and then you watch these guys like an Adam Scott and that step up and hit a four I'm over where you hit a driver and you sort of go right hey, that's uh, that's an eye opener for me but um, all those hours in the gym not playing golf yeah, golf look, course yeah you look like Tarzan and play golf like yeah not, not quite Tarzan but um, yeah look it's a uh, yeah, I think what Bryson's doing is great and it's great for the, the Cobra one length, you know, but um, for me it was just like you said, it's if I can get a constant stance, a constant setup for one club, I apply it to everything. And I think that's easier to practice when you're limited in golf than being able to change to a wedge, to yeah. a length, to a foreign, to a driver and all that. And yeah, now it's, I'm waiting for Cobra to bring out a one-length driver and I'll be sweet. I just don't have to change at all. So <laughs> we can make one of those. So let's uh, let's figure that out. So all right, just quickly, um, favorite golfer? My favorite golfer, uh, probably Sergio Garcia. Really? Hmm. I love Sergio. Yeah. Passion. Um, I think yeah, he just shows a bit. Um, you know, uh, there's some great up-and-coming golfers. Or like I said, I you know, and and then I'd probably say. You know, you're you, you trusty too in Tiger and Phil. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're amazing to watch. It's great to see Tiger back playing some great golf. It's great for the game. Again, it's it builds that brand. And, you know, Phil's probably not playing the best he is, but when he's on with his wedges and that, it's something I aspire to be because my wedges are usually hit thin or fat. And, yeah, he can do anything with it. Because you mentioned Tiger and Phil. So what do you think about this money match that they've got Yeah, planned? look, I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I reckon they'd be better off to throw their money and put, like, the best of the best and go, like, righto, let's go for it and yeah. have a real big competition and give everyone an opportunity because, yeah, they're two great golfers and they're two great names in the golfing industry. But there's so many, like I said, your, your Spieths, your Thomases, your, your up-and-coming, you know, your Rory's, these young blokes, you know, and uh, even, you know, great Aussies like in Scott and Day and... There's, there's certainly a lot of commentary around it, you know, so from the people that I, some of the podcasts I listen to, you know, the, there's not many fans, but, you know, the fans will ultimately, fans in the in the journos that I, that I sort of listen to, but the fans will ultimately tell the story if it's a, a worthwhile and valid concept, if yeah. they, you know, click on and pay-per-view and a hundred gazillion people clicked on and paid to watch, you know, Conor McGregor get, you know, on the weekend. But, yeah, we- but uh, yeah, it's, it just seems like a, a lot of money and two guys and you know. Oh, look, it'd be interesting, mate, if they're throwing up their own money and doing it that way yeah. and putting their own money on it. It'd be cool to watch because then you're like, right, that's that's a little bit more to it. Um, I'd just rather them see play for a couple of bucks a hole. Yeah, that's it. Just yeah, put just, a tenner on it and yeah. see how they go. Like we I all mean, do, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and see if they can give them a flaggy and give them some extra points <laughs> and play the rules. You know, best drive fairways in reg and all these rules, mate. And but uh, yeah, look, it's uh, look. There's some great games golf games out there and you can make golf as interesting as you want and this is a way that they're trying to do it yeah no no, no, no we'll, we'll, you know, we'll wait and learn I'll probably tune in wait I'll probably see. I'll probably tune in yeah um, so will I last couple of questions yep. favourite golf course ooh that's a tough you've one you've played a few good ones too by the way I have played a few good ones um, here in Australia I would say my favourite golf course is Peninsula oh wow yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's it's going to be amazing down there. Um, 
haven't played it recently, but yeah, it was it was just good fun, good golf course. Um, but my favourite all-time golf course, I'd have to say. Oh, I don't know where to go. I'll go Jack's Point. Jack's, Jack's Point. Point. Yeah, in Queenstown. Um, just the, it's a real golfer's golf course. Um, the hills in Queenstown is an amazing looking course. There's not a piece of grass put out of place, but yeah, I'd, I'd go Jack's Point. I okay. highly recommend a trip to Queenstown if anyone's listening. There's some amazing golf courses, all within driving distance of the town itself. If you do want any tips on Queenstown golf, please feel free to uh, drop us a line and I'll get Dennis to answer them. Yeah. So I guess the last one that I want to talk about, and it was a, a time that I shared with you, um, the hole-in-one. Yeah, look, that's my claim to fame. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, I was just, yeah, we always joked about it. We always said, oh, here we go. You know, the type of character I made every time I step up at a par three, I always go, right, boys, hole in one, here we go. And I actually said it on the day. I said, boys, you know, you're about to witness something here. And I hit it. He called it. He, I can vouch for that. He called it well in advance. And and I hit it. And uh, we heard, saw it bounce and then we sort of heard a noise like it hit the flag. And to be honest with you, we sort of weren't quite sure. We were, uh, we could see a speckle sort of just short of the, and we were celebrating what was, you know, a great shot anyway. And who ran up like a squealing child in celebration? Yeah, you were long gone. You were, you were long gone before <laughs> me. I was strutting up, going like I'm happy with my shot, and it was actually you that found out that it was a hole in one before me. And uh, yeah, it was yeah, pretty pretty exciting times, mate. You know, you don't always get to hit them, and many people haven't hit one yet. And but yeah, I just think, uh, like I said, have some fun with it, have some confidence about yourself, and you know, even yes, on Saturday I went out and played just a local public course, and uh, every par three I stood up, I said, right, you're about to witness magic, and it didn't quite happen. For me, it was a great, it was a great experience because, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't seen a hole in one before. I hadn't been with someone who actually had achieved a hole in one, so I hadn't had that experience of, you know, the pleasure of seeing someone have a hole in one and then seeing their reaction, but. And seeing my reaction, the only thing I could relate it to is, you know, I had a hole in one in 14th of September 1987. Um, Sorry, I was one. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, a young kid playing golf with my new set of golf clubs for the first time. And I was playing with a couple of older guys, you know, the middle, you know, not old, old, but middle aged sort of guys. And they went cocoa bananas. Mm. They went off tap. One went down one fairway, one went the other fairway, just jumping up and down. He's had a hole in one, he's had a hole in one. I think the fact that we shared like 30 dozen golf balls between us for getting a hole in one was a, was a contributing factor, but they got a lot of joy out of it. And I got a lot of joy out of seeing yours. I've got it on video, it's on Instagram if you want to check it out. But um, I just loved it. And, you know, taking a photo and just being there, it was, it, was a, it was a special day for me because I got to see the joy of being around someone who had a hole in one, which I'd never had before. And I haven't even looked like having a hole in one since 1987. <laughs> no. Not even close, but um, no, hopefully You've come that... close. You've come close. Yeah. I've been with you and you've come yeah. close. Did I probably missed the putt. Oh, look, they're hard to do. And look, mate, to be honest with you, I wish I could tell you that I, I meant to do it, but it just all lined up. And, yeah, it was fortunate enough, mate, and hopefully you can hit another one. And like I said, it was one of those things that I was just sort of lost for words. It's something that's so rare and something that's, you know, well, for the common golfer, it's probably rare and... Uh, yeah, I, was, I just remember walking down the fairway, sort of like gobsmacked and sort of going, hang on a minute, did that actually go in? Like, yeah, so it was in that mate. little bit of history and away we go. 
Mate, it was a pleasure to be around you that day and it's been an absolute thrill, honour and pleasure and privilege to be here with you today to give you, to give me um, a lot of your time and, you know, as I said, this is early in my podcast journey and as I said, yeah, it's the first, let's be honest, um, you've given a lot and I hope that uh, this podcast can help share a bit of your story but, you know, share with everyone your passion for this game and... You know, that's all we're trying to do is, is let people see that, uh, you know, you don't have to be a golfer and a golf pro uh, to, to... Far from it. <laughs> to, to be able to be able to talk about golf and share your experience and share your passion. And, you know, Dennis, you know, you're one of the most passionate guys I know. So, you know, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast and um, I really, really appreciate your time, mate. No, no worries, mate. Really appreciate you asking me to come on. I think it's a great... A great initiative, mate. It'd be great. I'm looking forward to hearing other people's stories. Um, I think, you know, we've all got a passion for golf. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this. And and I think just being able to tell your story and and, and share it, you know. And, and like I said, I'll go back again and say it again. As long as you're enjoying it and having some fun, yeah. why, why That's not? That's absolutely valuable information. If anyone wants to, um, you know, check you out here at Elephant & Co, can they, you know, get in contact with you? Yeah, feel free, elephantandco.com.au. Um yeah so elephantco.com.au um, but yeah feel free shoot us a line um, we've got a, we've got an Instagram we've got the website um, I've got my own personal Instagram in Darnfield 27 that's Darnfield 27 um, but yeah now look anyone that's looking for some some business help anyone that wants some you know help just with themselves as a, in the business sector or, or any or any athletes out there that just want to have a chat about like you know how they can you know grow and, and support or, or need help or want help feel free um, yeah awesome mate well thanks again thanks for listening um, let's hope we can uh, back this up with some more interesting guests I'm, I'm confident that we can and um, until next time we talk that's it thank you very much cheers Ross thanks mate